Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. You've got three of us today in the studio. Myself, Jack Ricks, Rowan Horncastle. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Oh yeah. I think this is going out on Valentine's Day, who knows? It is. We are recording a little earlier, so I'm not in the full romantic mood quite yet. I'm building up to it. And Ollie Q as well. Kisses to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you throw me right off my stride. (laughs) He's Um, blushing. I'm blushing, I'm blushing. Right, so the purpose of this podcast, this is the issue pod, so issue 381. A week ago, the podcast focused specifically around the cover story for this magazine went live where we had Tom Wookie Ford on talking about all the Japanese concepts that we've got together for the cover story and for the the main feature inside the magazine. Spectacular feat of design and logistics and everything. Basically listen to that poll because it's 45 minutes of joy if yeah, you like Japanese things. The whole issue, this whole issue 381, it's just a, an absolute Japanese loving of, and seeing you know what's going on there, what's coming in the future and there's some really, really exciting stuff. So yeah, check out last week's podcast because we went through it all. How Japan plans to save car culture. It's a big one. It is. So we're not going to go over that ground again. We're going to focus on all the other goodness that we've got elsewhere in the magazine. But before we get into that, why don't we go around the table, see what everyone's been up to. Rowan Dakar. You're not allowed to talk about I, that. No, well, I, just, that has been my life for a, a long time. Three weeks is, like, on a race is a long time, and it just does absorb a lot of your life. And I can't get away from the news, because Dacia has just announced that will be up to date when we're recording this. Their entry into it next year, which is taking over ProDrive's Sand effort. Rider. The Sand Rider. Which is interesting, because Dakar cars are changing. You know, this looks futuristic again. Hang about, Dacia's are meant to be the, like, the real cheapest bargain basement cars you can get. So what's this, like a 10 grand Dakar entry? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, it's just got sort of salvaged suspension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, molded tires. That's yeah. what I, was, no, I was like, just bung a Sandero in and just see what happens. And like that's what I thought they were going to go for. But no, they've actually done a proper race car, which sounds like a Marvel superhero. Looks like... Well, it doesn't look... It looks like a Lego concept, really, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't it? Look it, doesn't like look a Sandero. it doesn't look like a Dacia, yeah, at all. But it's going to basically be the underpinnings of the, you know, if you know the ProDrive Hunter, and then they've got uh, Datch's team on the external bodywork. But it's going to be piloted by a real, you know, force for Dakar victory, because you've got Seb Loeb in one car, and then Nasser in another, and Christine Gutierrez, who's come from the buggies, very fast female driver, piloting it too. So that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I've also, aside from the Dakar, I saw that you went and saw the Aston Martin Vantage, I did, yeah, the facelifted one, except they don't like to call it a facelift because it's had loads done to it. You've got a bit of a worry about this, haven't you? Well, no, it was just one strap line, which I just picked out from that, is where Aston Martin wants to be the leader in all classes with regards to power. Yeah, this is their new thing. This has apparently been beams down from Daddy Stroll on high. Any (laughs) class we're in, we've got the most brake horsepower, which is why the DB12 shot up to 671 BHP. They had a look around at the Bentleys and thought, right, we're 10 more than you and we're whatever Sorry, Ferrari's that got. Again. How much? I think they're 10 more than whatever the Bentley Conti uh. GT Speed's got. So it's just about having a token amount more power. But now the Vantage, as Rowan just was mentioning, it's got 656 brake horsepower. The old Ooh. one had 500. Now, so. Normally a facelift, it's like a 20 brake horsepower ECU tickle and some new headlights. They've added like a whole up GTI to the engine <laughs> and more. It's nuts. And now they've added like eight stage traction control so you can tailor how much of a spin you want to have. Yeah, yeah. It seems pretty bonkers I, I and I wonder that. how future-proof this is to yeah. go, we're going to be the most powerful because what if then, I don't know, Porsche catch everyone on the hop with the new 911 Turbo and it comes out with 700 horsepower. What's Aston Martin going to do? Just whack up the boost? Well, exactly. I Two also, engines. I also think it's it's proper, it, you know, if you're sitting in a room with a whiteboard thinking, right, which attribute are we going to go after? Handling, build quality, price. <laughs> nah, power. That's easy. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll squeeze as much horsepower, we'll turn the boost right up on the turbos, get as much. When that runs out, we'll, we'll put hybrid on it, we'll get some more electric power. And then when it comes to EVs, power is no longer... Difficult. I think people it's are getting no a bit difficult. bored of the big numbers already because yeah. they're getting outrageous because there's meant to be a juiced up Taycan coming. 
which oh, is yeah. 900 or 1,000 horsepower. Triple motor job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you're just like, this is a very normal car, or you used to be seen in a normal car, with, you know, four-figure power numbers. And that's the ironic thing, is they're going to do this 660-horsepower Vantage, but if you are in one at the lights and you see a base-spec Tesla Model Y, don't race it, because it will destroy <laughs> you, because this thing's still rear-drive, the Aston, it's going to do 0-60 to 60 in, I think, 3.4 seconds. Now, don't get me wrong, that's a very, very fast mm. car, but also, in the context of EVs, it will get nuked, by a family blob. So you, be you careful know, with your pick your battles. But Ollie, you can always wind down your window, lean lean out and go, most power in its class. Yeah, people love that, don't they? They'll like that. The Semantics. Tesla owner will go, ooh, yeah. But I do actually like where Aston Martin kind of going. It feels like they've got a really... Got some momentum. Cool attitude to it now. Got some touchscreens. Yeah, they, yeah, got some touchscreens <laughs> finally, just not prodding Woo. some glass and nothing yeah, happens. Look, for me, look, Aston's have to be the best looking cars in their class. And I'm sure... Aston will be listening going, they are, they are, and that's still a really important part of what we do. But I, I feel like chasing power outputs is a bit of a dead end. Let's keep the cars beautiful, keep them usable, mm. don't let the interiors lag as far behind as they got. Well, this one doesn't anymore. I will give them some credit. If you want to see what side of the debate you're on, if you agree with Jack and Rowan, are they going in the right direction? We've done a full walk around on the new Vantage and we invited along a special guest like me, a child of the 90s. So um, yeah, head over to the YouTube channel and check it out. We've looked inside and out under the bonnet and done a deep dive on the Vantage to see, is it going to be the class leader Aston thinks it is? Jack, have you been up to anything? Not a lot, no. Early beginning of the year, just a lot of long-range planning, sending a lot of emails to a lot of manufacturers with big, ambitious ideas. Just go big or go home at the beginning of the year. And then as reality sets in, <laughs> as we move through the year, sort of rein it all back in. But As their no. budgets have kind of worked out and see what they can afford. Absolutely. We can't take it to the moon. I'm so sorry, Mr. Ricks. Exactly. So lots of big stuff coming down the line but yeah i've been rather welded to the desk for the last few weeks sorry it's so but anyway boring. you've been reading this magazine and getting that out across so what's in it what oh, was... hang on, are we not doing what i've been up to do we care <laughs> i thought that, <laughs> you've, you've, done aston. you've done aston martin oh that was one string to my bow oh, oh right you've been up to all right more mr busy boy looking at aston martin's here we go i thought you wanted to know that as top gear's you know techno hip-hop dance correspondent i've been for a drive with will i am off of the black eyed piece oh yeah no, really you know who hasn't Let's be honest, <laughs> who hasn't? All right, go on then. Tell us about well, just, this is the sound thing. Sound drive. Sound drive. Yeah, I thought this is pretty interesting and it's worthy of debate because I stuck some videos on Instagram about this and I've never known such a vitriolic response of people going, ah, this is exactly why the European car industry is screwed because they're mucking about with this nonsense. They're just jealous of your new best mate. I yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. Me and Will going for a ride. So this is something that he's apparently pitched to AMG and they've gone for in the new electric AMGs where you know how like BMW delivered a skip full of money to Hans Zimmer's house and in return your Oscar winning composer created the sound and a BMW i7 makes when which, it accelerates. Which we could have done on you know GarageBand on our, yeah, on our laptops. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't listen to it and it goes and go that's, that's Zimmer that's oh, Zimmer that one. That's oh Zimmer. the depth of tone it's like yeah. it's a banger. So what Will's decided is that what if your car remixed your song? Where is the love? As you're going along, yeah. So, I mean, that smacks of an idea in a brainstorm session that gets dismissed. Smacks of the Roundly sort of brain that brought you early. boom, boom, pow, coming up with some in-car audio. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the idea. There's 10 sensors that they reckon they can harvest data from in an AMG. The accelerator, the brake, each of the suspension shocks, and then like the steering. And there's a few others as well they wouldn't actually tell us. And then this car, the car, your EQS, is constantly monitoring all this. And then as you accelerate, it changes the tempo of the song that you're listening to and it brings in the bass and it brings in some reverb as you start to swerve around. If you take a corner quickly, you might get a bit of a an unusual remix come from nowhere. It might cross genre. It's really difficult to explain, but we have stuck some videos up of this and it's coming as an over-the-air update to stuff like an EQS in about May, June time. So in the summer, if you see a really erratic Mercedes <laughs> heading down your road, it's probably someone trying to compose a chart-topping hit. Mm. That's what I mean, because like, if you're into a, like a, 
a chopped and screwed remix. Surely just going to be on the throttle, off the throttle, left lane, right lane. But what's yeah. brilliant is Mercedes, they're actually pitching this as a safety feature. That's why I just don't get it. Obviously, Mercedes is all about safety. So they've said, oh, well, you know, because of course the car rewards you for accelerating because the music gets more exciting, gets more energetic. Mm. But then you don't want people doing 90 down past, you know, a school run just because they want, you know, to get to the good bit, to get to the drop. So that's what I mean. My brain will just go, well, what does it sound like at 180 miles an hour? Yeah. yeah. So it's supposed to be geo It sounds like police sirens behind. Sounds like prison food. So it's supposed to be geo-fenced. So, you know, your car's GPS knows where it is, obviously. And therefore, if it knows you're in a 30 zone, it only advances the tempo up to 30. If you keep accelerating beyond that, you don't get a quicker, quicker effect. They turn the music off. No Musical rewards chairs. for speeding, kids. I mean, it's it, is this the future of in-car entertainment? I don't know, but we've written about it on .com. Check it out. No, see we, what we, you just, think. Just, just give us a little flavour. You thought it was good. I I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> have to say, I was so ready. Because, you know, as Top Gear's technical Luddite, I hate touch screens, I hate touch sensitive this and the haptic that. And, you know, I don't need 47 colours of ambient lighting that pulse in time to the beat. But... When you're being driven by Will I Am oh, around, was he driving? Yeah, he was driving oh. this demo car around. Where Va- were his hands on the steering wheel? Because that's how I judge someone straight away whether they can drive Quarter or not. Three because race car. Oh right, yeah, so yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he'd, 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 he wasn't wheel shuffling. He was you know, there was the occasional palming, but well, yeah, he, he's, I, I would have just gone with wrist on top of the wheel. Yeah, or two hands at the bottom. I yeah, but then the Mercedes attention twenty five past seven. The yeah. Mercedes attention assist gets in. Oh, I can't see your face at that point, so it gets in the way. But he was driving me around Las Vegas at night because this thing was revealed at. CES, Consumer Electronics Show, which is a big tech festival, if you like, in Vegas, where there's all sorts of autonomous whatnot being shown and flying cars. When you are driving around Vegas at night on the strip with Will I Am, it gives you an idea of what it'd be like to be the Ryan Gosling character and drive. You feel very brooding and badass. When you're in, I don't know, Basingstoke on a wet Tuesday afternoon, it might not quite have the well, same it take, effect. Take that into account and have a just a sort of really ploddy, depressing kind of beat to the to the tune what, like just the plays sort of Dido the yeah, Adele like remix flag, of the yeah. Benny Hill theme tune <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the, you know the theme to the office or whatever but Jack do you remember this has got to be about 15 years ago you and I as when we one first times that we met we went to Will I Am's party where he tried to reinvent the camera I and remember. I can't I can't remember what the camera was there were a few drinks involved but I don't think that he's now Mr. Liker like anyway it's where so, our friendship was really sort of cemented at that party as we ran around trying to uh, talk to as many celebrities as possible. Do you remember who was on the decks? No, but I, I do remember... Idris Elba. Was he? Yeah. I remember Fat Joe being there too. <laughs> and I was... asked him, does he lean back? Welcome Boom. to the Top Hella Gear Hip Hop Hour. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. there you go, that's what I've been up to. There's stuff about it online, but is this the future of in-car media? I don't know, and you'd have to say Will I Am's track record with, like, you know, he's modified a few cars, he tried to reinvent the camera... I don't know, but then he's also won like a massive amount of Grammys. So if he does know anything, it is music. Hold on a second. How is he still on a retainer for Mercedes? Remember he did that SL where he just grafted the front bonnet of a G wagon onto it. Yeah. No, yeah, it was like an AMG four door that he put suicide Rolls Royce doors on. Yeah. Yeah, they love it. The Germans think it's fantastic. They think he's like the most creative mind ever. We need to get. He's like New Da Vinci. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we'll get one in in August. We'll get one in with SoundDrive, and I don't know maybe we will record a podcast f- from one live. We'll see how that goes. With Will I am? Yeah, <laughs> got to get get. Right, let's get on with the issue. Right, so trending. So this is obviously the Japanese concepts that we shot on the cover. There was another Japanese concept car, which is the Honda Zero series. In fact, there are two concepts. One is kind of a bit of a MPV shaped van. I think it's called Space Hub. The one we care about is a very wedgie. Uh, they call it the saloon, although it looks probably more like a shoot, a sort of very wedgy shooting break. It looks like an intercity eyes. train. It's got a pointy <laughs> end and it's really, really long. I've no idea what's going on at Honda. Yeah, well, this is supposedly the the beginning of Honda's a sort of new family of electric cars that they want to bring out that are going to be interesting to look at. And I have to say, I think it looks absolutely... Well, well we all got caught off guard by it because yeah. we then, this modern way of working, all hopped on a Zoom call... After I can't remember what most show it was shown at and we Tokyo went, Auto Salon. Yeah, and we said, "Have you seen that new wedge? Because it's quite Jajaro-esque and a bit seventies." And you, yeah, it's by Honda. It looks really cool. Let's let's do something with that. The thing is, though, we've been here before, haven't we, chaps? Because Honda came along with that little Seaf Mini-looking concept, the E, 
and the production car just oh, it's, they've taken it off sale I think in the UK because well, it hasn't flown off the shelf hasn't but flown to, they've never done the, the sports concept I what they did with the design on the Honda either absolutely respect it I love it would love to own one if it had a bit more range but I, I just I don't know I just feel like we're here with Honda again going look at what we're definitely going to produce in the future well, they how are they going to stick the landing 2026 right so they've got some time to to figure it out not much Mm, yeah. We're in 2024. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not long at all. But it's got some awesome wheels on it, too. They're like interlaced, oh. kind of An absolutely funky mirrors. Ginormous gold wing door. Oh, that would definitely two make production. Two seats. Look, it's an exciting looking it's thing. It's the new Civic. <laughs> uh, look, the rear wheel arches as well. Pretty good. So anyway, Honda on a bit of a design roll. There's there's no real details about this other than it's an electric car and they know how to make interesting good looking things they like I, I, could, about that. I could have written that press release car of the future is going to be electric who knew <laughs> who knew <laughs> I don't know I'm a sceptic but come on Honda prove me wrong GR Yaris there's a new one there is a new one not that, you, that you'd know from the outside really no, no. unless you really get into, into coolers one. Yeah. did anyone ask for more power in an automatic gearbox well obviously because I guess they've done it but well, they, mm. people ask for more of them. Yeah, so this we wanted more, more GIRSs, so they've said, oh, all right, you can have more, but we're going to fettle it in the meantime. So what's the story here? More boost for the for the three-cylinder. 276 horsepower it's now got from the 1.6 three-cylinder. You can still get a manual, but now you can also get eight-speed auto. So you get launch control and things now. Yeah. What would you have? Auto, manual? I'd still go manual because it's actually got a, the last one I drove a few years ago you know, the manual shift in it is really nice it's good fun and it's becoming a rare thing i still can't believe you get 276 brake horsepower from a 1.6 it just, <laughs> sound, it just sounds like warranty claim to me but um i don't know toyota tend to be uh pretty bulletproof but what i found interesting was the two special editions they've done oh, for yeah. their wrc drivers because there's an oj uh, edition and a rov impera which have an OJ edition. We'll start coming with some juice <laughs> with a glove in the glove box. Yeah, <laughs> does it fit? Yeah, OGA, OGA. Oh, darling. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, you can go and skid it around the stage with some of his lettering, but also some aftermarket. Uh, Sebastian bigger wings. Is it? Is it, is yes. it stick, stickers and wings? Stickers and wings. Yep. Two different types of them, but it is because you want to. The whole point of this car and where it came from was WRC mm-hmm. homologation. And you kind of forget that at times because WRC is quite hard to follow and get any exposure. But Toyota's WRC car is so cool. So it'd be, you want to see more GR Yaris's on rally stages and off road, really, well, if we you can, can do, do that. Well, Toyota, That's if you're listening, job, yeah. to put a GR Yaris on a rally stage. Well, we did try with the old one and they said no, which we couldn't really get mm. our heads around. But yeah, we'll take it to Wales, jump it, get it muddy, bring there's, it on. There's been a change of guard at Toyota, so let's see what happens because that's definitely something that needs to happen. And now there are special editions. Why don't we get OJ involved? Uh, here you can drive OJ, drinking some OJ in the <laughs> yeah, OJ edition. imagine especially OJ driving OJ <laughs> around like Sweet Lamb or something. Oh. <laughs> we'll have to see what's going on. Don't, don't let them see too much of the Top Gear creative process. We <laughs> definitely never start with a headline and work backwards. Right, Right, let's get through to the feature section. Obviously, as we said, head back in the pod feed to, to listen to the podcast dedicated to the Japanese concept story. Um, but we'll go beyond that to another story in Japan, which is the Marigawa racetrack. Well, it is a Japanese is, special this month, isn't it? So It is. Plenty of yes. stuff. So this is certainly there. special and this is certainly Japanese. It is the latest in a, a sort of long line of these what would you call them, drivers' clubs? Race resorts. Race resorts, that's another way of putting it. But essentially, membership of a racetrack, often including some digs, like a, a condo with a with an oversized garage where you can keep your cars. So it's like Santa Pod, out. right, where you just got the drag strip and then there's a caravan out the back. No, <laughs> this no. is nothing like that. <laughs> it's... it's it's fantastic because it is the proper kind of... Smell of grilled onion. You know, <laughs> oh, it's the yeah. nostalgia. Dream material stuff if you're a petrolhead and you literally have billions. Yeah. Let me have somewhere I can keep my cars, stay, and then drive them. And these tracks, so we've got a few of them now around the world. There's Apex Motorsport in Arizona, which if you go on YouTube and check out Top Gear 2, if you watch the GR Corolla film that yeah. we've just put up there, that's all shot there. That's another brand new facility where you can pay a scary amount of money to store your cars and, and live there and then go wake up in the morning, go drive your cars and then go to work. There's the Monticello in the US on the East Coast. And now 
There's the there's the, one in Miami. They're opening as well. They're they're popping up everywhere. And well, they're trying to do one at Silverstone, aren't they? Yeah. Escapade. But you don't actually get. I think they're two million quid for these condos. But you don't actually get track access at all. And what? you know you can't actually live there so either. You get very good seats for the Grand Prix, and an angular angular house where you can next to a very noisy road. Exactly. Well, uh, I in, think this is going to actually become future proof. Not only because we you know we all think that one day when all of our mainstream cars are electric, tracks will become this sort of zoo where you go to experience the old petrol-powered dinosaurs. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, but also like the most triggering issue in all of cars for me is you know when you hear about racetracks that all of a sudden they've been there for tens of years hundreds maybe and they're not allowed to have so many noisy days because they've built a housing estate nearby and then the people who've moved in next door to a racetrack yeah get shouty about the noise and it happens with brands hatch poor old brands hatch is always getting it in the neck for having the temerity to allow cars to race around it because of all the history and then do you see last week laguna seca has had a multi-million dollar lawsuit lodged against it for being too noisy because a load of millionaires have moved in over the hill and have gone well it's a bit noisy down that corkscrew thing i think we'll put a stop to that i mean just how dare you yeah, so outrageous. maybe the race resort sadly is the only way to guarantee that you can live next to a racetrack and enjoy the damn thing especially when it's in japan so this is a japanese take on it where they've just gone done everything to the nth degree and they just carved it out of a hillside <laughs> to make it possible so yeah it looks i think the opening quote on the feature which was actually the the photographer, Toby, talking to Tom Ford, who wrote the story, this is basically Jurassic Park with a racetrack in it. And you can see that because it's just carved out of effectively jungle, forest, isn't it? And this this amazing ribbon of track and this essentially seven-star hotel, which if you join up, you pay the exorbitant joining fee and handling fee and maintenance fee and the fee for the fee you and then imagine. the tax on your fee, then um, you can enjoy all of this whenever you want. Imagine a Wookiee like that bit of Richard Attenborough in Jurassic Park where they're sort of out in the jeeps looking around. Yeah. And it's like, there. And all, <laughs> but instead of like a Diplodocus, it's just a GT3 RS doing a massive fourth gear power slide. <laughs> da, 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 da. But you um, don't get eaten by a Velociraptor when you go to the loo. Excellent. Yeah. But the cars that, because I urge you all to follow Marikawa on Instagram, because in Asia there is just the most incredible car collections. And they have the rarest of the rare hypercars. And they just managed to get them all together for a photo shoot as a bit of a promotion thing, which was insane. So the people who are going to be members here are going to have an absolute killer time, but also the collections that you wouldn't believe and may not see in Europe. And they're probably, because they're in Japan, going to be super humble about it. Mm -hmm. So we may probably never see it because they're just going to talk in their own little group and that'll be fine. Yeah. But it's one hell of a track and one hell of a Grand Designs episode. <laughs> yeah, imagine the budget. Yeah, <laughs> which will be on our Spirally. YouTube channel on Top Gear's YouTube channel to watch so check yeah. that one out does it include Tom wearing a dressing gown it does in, unfortunately I'm fortunately, not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing bad I know thing. if we could just ask everyone who watches that to head to the comments and go wow you should really let Top Gear host a speed week here would be really really <laughs> useful for us because super convenient on the old commute and the track looks like it's really really challenging should be fun yeah alright Let's turn and the then back to reality. Back to reality. So you've gone from a billionaire's playground to then... Well, well to a brand new Porsche, Ron. Well, actually, and the, probably going to be the, one of the best-selling Porsches. Exactly. It certainly is at the moment. The Macan is the top-selling Porsche. Macan or McCann? Macan, I think. Let's not get into semantics right? on that. I would say McCann. Well, I don't know. I'd, I'd say McCann too. Two to one. McCann. Porsche. It's Porsche. Porsche. Uh, yeah, but the, the, the small Motion SUV passed. Porsche is the best-selling one. Even last year when it was getting pretty... Well, in its last year. Oh, actually not, because wrinkly. they're going to continue selling the... Petrol one version. while they wait for this one, which is, drumroll, surprises for no one, electric. It's the new electric Macan. Wow. Macan. So it's the new Macan. Yeah. And it's electric. Yeah. So is that a big deal, is the question. Well, it's sort of... this. I think it's really interesting, because when we were looking at this story sort of long-range, you know, let's say, middle of last year, mm. when we start talking to Porsche and they start dropping hints that you know, you know, uh, on time frames for this car. Wow, big deal. Your best seller's going all electric. Have they gone too early on Have it? Have they gone too early? You know, is the range going to be enough? Is the performance going to be enough? What's it going to look like? And then when it drops, you go, oh, looks like a newer McCann that runs on electricity, has a bit more space inside. Yeah, it's all the renderings that people did about this car about three years ago, guessing what it looked like, were absolutely spot on. Like <laughs> yeah, it, just, yeah. it just does that design evolution thing like Porsche do. Yeah. Spot on. Although it's kind of funny to me that they've done the Nissan Duke thing of put the headlights down 
low yeah, and the well, more L- and more LEDs doing up this, high. Yeah, but it's like Nissan were really onto something back then because now even Porsche are doing it. But this is, like you're saying, Jack, this is, you know, not only is it a new Porsche, but underneath this is, because it's this new platform that gets shared around everywhere, this is going to have Audis on top of it. It's going to have... It's the unfortunately named PPE platform. Yeah, so it will be a vastly overexpensive contract, and I'll stop talking now before the BBC for <laughs> yeah, a bit. Yeah, and you won't get any gloves for it. But it's also quite an interesting, I thought, looking thing, because it's not very dainty, is it? It's got quite a sturdiness. Thick and a bit set. It is this a thick boy. <laughs> Uh, which I wouldn't really get. And as you said, Ollie, everyone's kind of caught on to this. There must be some legislation that gets you around for having the head- headlights underneath now, the running lights. Everyone assumes the running lights are going to be the headlights, hmm. but you're seeing it in BMWs, seeing it in Ferraris, etc., hmm. which does trick your eye. But I'm not sure if it's a good-looking thing. I haven't seen it. It's um, kind of weirdly angle-sensitive, and yeah, from some angles, it's got cake. It's 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 pretty chunky. Yeah. But it, then my my work, my thing I'm wondering is. Does this sort of kill the Taycan early? I know that Porsche are going to facelift the Taycan this year and they'll add updates and things they've learned, but this thing is 10 grand cheaper yeah. than the cheapest Taycan, and that's for a four-wheel drive Macan versus a rear-drive yeah, so- Taycan. So you're saving 10 grand immediately. You get more range because of the stuff they've learned, mm. and you get more space because a Taycan, bless it, isn't that roomy in the back. So, just at say what point would you buy the four-door saloon? Just just for reference, then, the Macan 4, 400 horsepower, 75 grand, or the Macan Turbo, not turbo, uh, 635 horsepower and 95 grand. Um, so, it's not a cheap car, but it is cheaper than the Taycan. It's I think the what they'll Taycan. do is they'll, they'll refresh the Taycan mm. and they'll move it up. They'll move it. They'll they'll move it further away from this car. They'll make it more powerful, more luxurious, more expensive, and try and create that distance, which is rumours of this turbo GT model with what a thousand horsepower, horsepower and yeah. silly Nurburgring lap seven times. minutes seven and seconds. That's their new. That's where they're positioning the Taycan. Right. But you're right. You know, I think a lot of people will be looking at you know a Taycan four, Taycan four S, and going, oh, I'll just have a Macan. But have they put all their eggs in one basket with the EV? Like, what's well, not necessarily bu- thanks to Brexit, have they? Because have you seen this, that if you live in the EU, this is the new Macan, this is the only one you can get. But because of some cyber security laws that have come in in the EU, they have to take the old Macan off sale because it's too easy to hack, basically. But they don't apply to post-Brexit Britain. So we keep getting the current petrol Macan with like the two-litre engine for another year at least. Well, and blue passports. I mean, <laughs> it is Christmas. Take back control of your mid-sized Porsche SUV. But mm. this is the jumping-off point that we're going to see a lot do, where uh, you know a big name, big model, big seller is just going to go pure EV. Yep. But you know, there's people who still can't run EVs who mm. drive Macans, Macans. So what? Yeah, where do they go then? What's going to Buy happen to one. sales? Well, but some people don't want used cars. So yeah, do they, they want to Well, then they need to. <laughs> Get with the times. Get with the times. Oh, uh, I know. think you're opening a can of worms. It'll be interesting to see in like a year's time what the proportion is in yeah in post Brexit Britain about yeah has the old one tanked, fallen off a cliff? Is no one buying it, mm. or is is it one of those cars where the values suddenly skyrocket and there's sort of like auctions for them because people are thinking I'm panicking. The Speciali. It's the last V8 Ferrari. You know, <laughs> it's the last two liter Porsche crossover. I really want one. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll actually get some proper data on this pretty soon. But it will be interesting to see if this current model year will be, you know, the biggest seller. You always see that, you know, that just before it was being refreshed, it was mm. actually the biggest seller. Same as the, the KN. Or do you want me to say Cayenne? I don't you know. So, um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, interesting times. Pronunciation. Well, you know, you've probably got some weird pronunciation on that. Anyway. Uh, mm. There's a full YouTube video on yeah. the... McCann McCann, which you can look around, get your your, uh, your own gauge for it. And you, the video does help kind of mm. get the lines a bit better and scale. But also, I do want to see it in person just to see what it does look like. And it'll be interesting to see how it drives. Well, it, in classic Porsche fa- uh, fashion, which I like, they reveal a car and then let us drive it very soon afterwards. So, won't be long, bro. Won't be long. Stick around for the verdict. The verdict, right. Oh, the supercar owner circle. So more wealthy, more wealthy from a sensible electric SUV to literally the opposite of that. Yeah, bookended by billionaires. That you see story. how we keep the balance: the yin, the yang in Top Gear magazine. Um, this is the yang or the yin. I'm this not is sure. the wing. This is the wing. The <laughs> wing and the wang. Oh, delete that. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> um, 
So, Supercar Owner Circle, this is, I mean, Ro, you've got first-hand experience of the Supercar Owner Circle. This was um, an Ollie marriage story. Um, he went and essentially hung out with this group of hypercar owners and their cars for a long weekend doing very cool stuff, road trips and very expensive caviar lunches. Yeah, it's, I a, it's a, again like a private members club. You know, these guys have all got memberships at places like Marigaro and um, Ascari and other um, race okay. resorts. Mm. But uh, when they all want to go together and have a little drive and have a weekend, they go to the supercar owner circle where... Yeah, you just basically find what is the most expensive car that's in my garage, which no one else has. You take that, you go have some lovely meals, go for a bit of a road trip, drag race it against something equally expensive and rare, and then talk about watches for a bit yep. and have and, s- and more investments. Investments. So it's sort of like a package holiday for carbon fiber fetishists. Yeah, it's Tui with like a bank account where you can just go absolutely bananas with it um a thousand horsepower each yeah, yeah and an f40 looks it, like incredibly like an enterprise rent a rent car when you're from, like. yeah from looking at the pictures and and reading ollie's words it seems like the biggest flex isn't just having a new koenigsegg yesco or you know a chiron or whatever it's how many of your cars you can bring along so there were sort of people flying in Oh yes, these are my four Chirons that I've one for each day. Well, how, how could you possibly drive them? Well, I've also got you know people that f- follow us around and transport them around. So it's it seems to be <laughs> when the fuel tank runs dry on the first one, I don't pop to a petrol station. I just get in the next Bugatti. Yes. yes. Oh, look at all these naked carbon fiber Koenigseggs. Yes, they are all mine. <laughs> um, I've never driven them, but um, no, it's uh, it it's. But they, we we did a. If you go back in the feed, there's a whole pod on this when Ollie uh, did it uh, a while ago. But and he interviewed Christian von Koenigsegg. Christian von Koenigsegg, yeah. After there was some like kind of um, horse parade or something that happening after lunch, because that's what happens at these things. But there on that event was a car which I I was interested in when it first uh, arrived, and then kind of just disappeared into someone's garage. Well, that person was actually on the event with the event event store J. The original sort of hypercar speedster. Exactly. It, you know, it's a ventilator without a windscreen before everyone else started ripping off the windscreens of McLarens, Aston Martins and Ferraris. And I forgot how good it looks and how wild it was at the time. Mm. Was there a guy there with like, you know, grit embedded in his face then and teeth missing? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh. Saggy cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. a window into another world, this kind of thing, isn't it? Because we kind of all suspect that these, you know... Carbon fiber clad hypercars are the pleasure of them is perhaps in the specking and the ordering and the individualization, but they never turn a wheel in anger. So, here is the riposte to that. What do serial hypercar collectors do in their spare time? How much do they use them? Are they any good at driving? Ollie has the answers to that in this feature. Yeah, right, right. Big story from you in the US next, isn't it? Well, I thought you know. Do we want to talk about this? Should we just should we finish there? Uh, yeah, we should oh, just or do you want to talk about... Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm joking. No, so, Oli Q's been in America doing some investigative journalism. I think, I think he's been deep diving. I mean, yeah, I, I, I had a, a look at a new car company to us. This is Lucid Motors. Listeners who are not aware of this... I mean, let's let's do some role play, Jack. Congratulations, you've been headhunted away do you from. Want to shake my hand. I was I was going to then, let's but uh, there we go. Left hand shake. Yeah, I was, <laughs> just, I was, I was sitting <laughs> on this right. So let's say that you you've been you've been snared away from the editorship of Top Gear magazine. You're now the boss of a car company. Congratulations. It's obviously going to be making electric cars because that is the future, and um, you're going to be based in California because it's probably. You've been um, reading my emails again. <laughs> <laughs> reading your LinkedIn. And you see, you're based in California. You've you've poached handling gurus from the likes of Lotus, McLaren, Jaguar, Land Rover. You've got a designer from the glory days of Audi. You've got uh, tech heads from Tesla. And you've got a pretty much bottomless pit of money courtesy of Saudi Arabia. Sounds like the sort of recipe that, you know, you could, you could do well with. I've done Pretty well. I yeah, you, you'd agree. enjoy that. This does actually exist. I'm not just making this up at the top of the head. This is Lucid Motors, and it lost last year 2.17 billion US dollars. How on earth is where, that happening? Where did it lose it? Down the back of the sofa. <laughs> it's a very, very big sofa. <laughs> well, I feel is... like Peter Jones on Dragon's Den would not be a fan of that when they got to the numbers. I'm out. Yeah. Here's why. So. This is why I wanted to go and check this out because there's a lot of electric startups and they talk a good game and they get they get a great big share price float. But, you know, are they building any cars? What's going on and how sustainable are these kind of losses? So I went out to um, to have a look around the factory and 
crucially to meet the people behind it because they actually wanted to talk. And chief among them is a guy called Peter Rollinson. He's a Welshman. He studied mechanical engineering in Imperial College London. He was boss of chassis at Lotus. He was there when they were doing the Elise. He was boss of chassis at Jaguar back in the good old days. And then Elon Musk personally headhunted him in about 2009 when they were trying to move Tesla from doing the Roadster into being a proper mainstream car company and doing the Model S, exactly. But they were finding that quite tricky. They've signed off the design. They've got no idea how to engineer the thing. And he was brought on board when there was only a team of literally like six of them working in some rented office space. Seems mad now that the world's most valuable car company was once sort of, you know, treading water, fighting for its life. But he was there right at the beginning. But because when he joined, the Model S had already had like certain hard points, like the design, the length of the bonnet, the wheelbase signed off. It annoyed him. It annoyed Peter. He didn't have enough front boot space. There wasn't enough rear leg room. So he was already thinking, I can do better than this. I can come up with better talent, better ideas, better execution. So he was headhunted himself away to a battery tech company that was at the time called Ativa. And he went, I'll come and join you on one condition. Change your name to something that sounds less like probiotic yogurt. So they changed it to Lucid Motors. And here we are in 2024 with a company that's making something called the air which is a very well regarded saloon in america it's working on something called the gravity which is a great big kind of electric range rover rival that's going to arrive before the electric range rover and it's planning well it's done a tech deal with aston martin to supply their next range of electric architecture they're building cars in saudi arabia it's are they coming to europe well, it's among the plans, but this is one of the things we sat down and talked with. And it was it was really fascinating because it was, I know access all areas is a bit of a cliche, but they did let us into places where, you know, normally they take the phones off the employees so they can't leak anything. They did, we did we have a very... all these live streaming on top of his Facebook channel. So sorry, sorry, Peter. Yeah, and just ask the awkward questions. You know, last year you wanted to sell 14,000 cars, you, you know, which is pretty small for at the best of times, but you only just managed over half that you know the losses if you like add up to about 400 grand per yeah, car that's the biggest elephant in the room is that 2.17 billion loss but of you course mentioned. you know he was saying these aren't losses we're building a factory in saudi arabia we're building a massive factory in arizona we're investing in you know not only the gravity the new big suv but a smaller car a model three model y rival to tesla and to take on the stuff that's coming in europe as well and you know, take on the koreans take on the chinese which he was um which he was making no bones about or a really really big threat and yeah it was so that's why he's saying they're not losses that they're this investments but you know also talking about you know if you're owned by saudi arabia they're 60 percent owned by the kingdom of saudi arabia public investment fund anyone who's a newcastle united fan listening will know about you get into all this debate about is the success worth the ethics or lack thereof, there's loads and loads to go into. But fundamentally, it seemed to me like this is kind of the new car company template. You know, like politicians back in the day, if you were caught with your trousers down, literally, you would do the honourable thing and resign. Whereas now you just go, oh, this is this you is this just, is poppycock. You just carry right on happen. going. Right, yeah. next question. Oh, this, is just a, this is just a conspiracy <laughs> against me. But see, yeah, in the old days, if you were like, you know, Saab, Rover, Pontiac, if you don't sell enough cars... You don't keep the company lights on. That's it. It's good night, Charlie. Nowadays, if you don't sell enough cars, you just keep right on going. You just rack up more debts. You well, incinerate you're need more, more money. Yeah, more investment. Yeah, and you just hope that you just keep the patience of those investors going right through until until you make it. And I just find that fascinating that we now live in an age where a car company can just burn skyscraper-sized piles of money. They've seen Aston Martin thought, that's a good one. Let's well, they, do that. Yeah, yeah, and they've gone into um, gone into business with them. But it's, the uh, nub I, of all of it is, then you go and drive the car, yeah, the yeah, Air yeah. Sapphire, which is a 1,234 brake horsepower. It's their top-of-the-line saloon. It's their M5, if you like. Triple motor, class-leading rear legroom. Massive it's front It's their Model boot. S plaid. Yeah, except it's a Model S plaid is $90,000, and this is $249,000. So it's a lot. It's but meant it's, to be a proper luxury car too, isn't it? And it is. And this is the thing. It's It's got the luxury, the space, and the ambience of a... BMW i7, perhaps not quite as sort of, you know, vodka bari inside, but certainly really nicely put together, way better than any Tesla I've ever been in, and huge space, like I said, massive boots, all the infotainment works really nicely, and yet 
when I went down their sort of favourite test road with their head of dynamics, a guy from Jaguar called David Lickfold. How do you remember his name? Like an envelope because he wants to send it. (laughs) It was just unbelievable to drive. You're talking like Porsche Taycan Turbo S dynamics, but in something that's also as comfy and as spacious as an i7. It's really phenomenal. And it did get me thinking, wow, if they can just get through this mad money phase... They really might be America's yeah, yeah, yeah. best hope for a car industry. Or do in the they next just century. sell it to someone else if it's that good? You know, if they've got those brains a bit like Rimance is doing. Well, according for to, I asked this to Peter. I was like, "Come on, mate. You know, you are you've 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 hopped around the car industry. You've known when it's the right time to leave somewhere, and you know, you left Jag at the right time. Lotus, you jumped to Tesla, then you pulled out. You know, when you decided you'd had enough. So, is that? That is, is that what you're going to do with Lucid? Are you looking for the next thing? And he was like, no, my, my mission in life, this is my legacy that I'm building right now and I'm here till the bitter end. So it was, it was fascinating. There was so much to cram in that not only could it not fit into one magazine feature, it couldn't even fit into two videos. So we've done a video with the Air Sapphire and an interview with Peter. We've done an interview talking around the new Gravity, proper detailed deep dive with their designer, Derek Jenkinson, who came from Audi and has got some really interesting tales to tell of the Audi A2 when he was at Audi in the early 2000s. And we'll do a special podcast in full, the interview with Lucid CEO, Peter Rollinson, so you can get absolutely every one of his answers verbatim because he's an interesting guy. Yes, and he has a mug with a Welsh dragon on it. He does. He's a proud <laughs> Welshman. Yeah, exactly. I like the down to earthness. Turns up for his interview in a sort of tatty green pullover and the best mug of tea that I'd had in a week in the US, which Lovely. is very much appreciated. Jubbly. Well, we we did send you off with with on the express mission to find out is Lucid flying or flopping. I'd, we're erring towards flying. It's it's sort of it's just, on the runway and the engines are spooled up, <laughs> but there's a lot of money bleeding out the back, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it will be really interesting to see if they can if they can make it. And also, like American car industry, kind of has a history of if someone gets a bit too big for their boots, then the big the big car makers can somehow yeah. crush them. So what happened here? The engines are running a bit rich, mm. but right Fun last story then before we do a well, quiz. Yeah, well, it's Ferrari's kind of. This we've entered the retro section of the magazine, yes. and this one is one where we've argued in the office about the pronunciation of it. What is it, Jack? Well, it, it's written classique, but I think it's classique, isn't it? Or classique? A classique, I, I believe. Is that? <laughs> um, why am I top gear? Oli Marin, please, please, please. It's classique. Anyone I'm with sure it's any classique. sort of Italian heritage, uh, leave a comment on the podcast. How do you pronounce? It is written C L A double S. I. C-H-E, isn't it? Yeah, C-H-E. Classice. Classice. Is it? That's a good one. It's Italian, surely. Basically, (laughs) it's a shed full of amazing old Ferraris uh, where they're restoring them and Mm. making them brand new. And um, I was lucky to visit there uh, a few years ago. And you can't quite believe the Ferraris that are on show. It's all the, the greatest oldies. Yep. And also is also home to the archive now of every car that's ever been made at Ferrari. So you can go through and you can pick out, you know, a chassis number, an engine number, and they can put them together and the the person in the nineteen fifties is all handwritten notes uh, and order forms and all the correspondence that goes with it. Because when I was there, there was someone who's buying a two fifty GTO and was angry at Enzo not delivering it quick enough or it's in the wrong place and, and it's all, and it's it's all, all done. And you could just see them. It was really it was pick out of you know a needle out of a haystack, out of anything out of the whole archive, and we managed to pick out a massive argument, which was quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> and, well, they quite a lot of those in Italy. A normal conversation appears to be a massive argument. In, yeah, in and sometimes they just refuse used to write back in English. They would just write back in Italian. <laughs> just to, to have this is it. where like, Lamborghini came from, though, wasn't it? He was annoyed at the customer service, so he decided to build his own supercar. It's kind of funny that they're still doing it <laughs> yeah, years yeah, later. Yeah. I love but, the fact that you could be eyeing up a sort of ratty 456 on eBay or something, going, whoa, it's got quite a lot of miles. There's a document somewhere that 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 has all the details on when that car was first well, put from together day one. built, who ordered it, the, yeah. the spec, everything has any problems along the way. So this gets you like the definitive service history, basically. Exactly. Well, and a the Ferrari, this uh, is what you want in the book. And they could restore it and then put the rubber stamp on for everyone buying it so you, your values are protected and you've just probably made a load more money out of it afterwards. So again, there's a full video on that coming too. So... God, the Check values of those cars in there must add up to more than Lucid losing a week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should probably wrap up with a bit of um, 
A quiz. I've done a quiz for a while. We're, 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 we've quiz all been up. away, so let's just have a bit of light entertainment, don't you think? All right, then. Well, normally it means it's me getting angry. Light and entertainment <laughs> descends <laughs> into an argument. Depends how well you do. All right, so for a topic today, I was thinking about cars with badges on the back that have no relationship whatsoever to anything in the car. We've all got annoyed before about cars with numbers on the back that are nothing to do with the engine sizes. These are the nine that have irritated me the most. Are we all clear Not on the subject matter? Really? This is where right? everyone starts to argue. I was no. at, to begin with, I thought, oh, you mean badge engineering exercises, so... I don't know, VWs with SEAT badges on. No, you're not talking about that. You're no, talking I about mean, names that... I mean more, yeah, when it's like the technology designation on the back. You're just getting me to give you the answers again. No, give us an example. An example... Uh, no, don't, because I'm going to really struggle with this, so I'm just going to th- fire random ones out. All though. right, I'll tell you what. I feel like isn't like a, a Mercedes EQE 53 AMG. That's the fast one, isn't it? Is that the fast one of the uh, EQE? There's probably a 63, isn't there? No, I don't think there is. But it's like, yeah, EQ, I'm just looking it up now. EQE AMG 53 is like the hot one. But 50, it's not a 53 kilowatt hour battery. It's not got 53 horse. But what's right, 53? let me go straight away because it's, it's meaningless. We spoke about earlier. The McCann McCann turbo and all the electric turbos, the Taycan turbo. There's not a turbo anywhere near it. Good point. And that is straight away correct answer. That's the only one I've got. All right, so we'll go over that. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what Porsche decided, turbo is basically like a a brand name for us. So we'll make the fast one the turbo. No turbocharger as far as I'm aware in a Taycan. Over to you, Jack. Right. So the Ford EcoSport or EcoSport, blimey, what is it? The reason being, it is not particularly economical or indeed (laughs) sporty in any way. And it doesn't make a noise that reverberates Trace in a description tunnel. Act. It doesn't echo. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, that's... Yeah, because yeah, that, that's that name's even annoying. Because is, is it EcoSport, EcoSport? Yeah. I think even Eco Ford had to like issue a sort of edict saying, it's we reckon it's EcoSport. So it, even they knew it was meaningless. It's a good answer, Jack. It ticks all the boxes. wasn't on my list. So I think... Uh, that's a half a point. Incorrect answer. But yeah, due to the new rules um, that have been demanded by our listeners, if you get one that's worthy of being on the list, you get half a point. A Bosch. Wow. Okay. One goes to 0.5. Well, I've had to zone out of this since last year. Must, they must have changed it three years ago. Mm. But I don't understand Audi's badging whatsoever when they went to 55. And it, <laughs> like, oh, it's uh, simple, bro. It's just there's, there's 35s, 45s, TSIs, E's, um, <laughs> not, not, not 70. F- f- the bigger the number, the faster it is. I have no idea what it means. And does anyone at Audi? That's the question. Absolutely not. Another correct answer from Rowan the infamous. Audi badges of shame. It went from being pretty understandable. You know, you saw an A4, it said 2.0 TDI on the back. You knew what was up and what was down. Then they went to, oh, 35 is 148 to 161 horsepower. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then, like, oh, it's, it makes more sense if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're talking about kilowatts, if you're talking about metric power. So I looked this up. So an Audi that's got 45 on the back of it, it's 169 to 185 kilowatts. Because that trips off the tongue, doesn't it? Meaningless, silly. And then also they said, okay, yeah, this is going across the range apart from on the S cars. So like the S4, the S6. Or the RS cars. Or the R8. Or the e-tron GT. So it's like half of their cars (laughs) don't even have this. Absolutely idiotic. And Audi, please bin it off. If you want to do some weight savings, start with the badges. Yeah. Right, let's give... I just think, go back, badges that tell you the size of the engine, if indeed it's a combustion engine car. That was glorious, driving behind a BMW, knowing it was a 1.8 or a 2.8. Yeah, you were behind a 328i. You knew that was a 3 Series with a 2.8 litre engine. Loved it. Back in the old days. Right, I'm going to go big and then probably go home. Ferrari LaFerrari. Have there ever been a stupider, more meaningless name than... Ferrari, the Ferrari. Jack, you've got the wrong end of the stick here, mate, because that is, like, you can't deny that it is a Ferrari. So it's not like, it's not against the trade descriptions. Act. No, it's but, a dumb name, uh, but it's not like, not what it is. You just, you were agreeing with mm, me then about meaning what badges, badges meaning what they said. And then you said a car that is self-identifying. Right. I'm sorry, mate, it's an incorrect answer. You Maybe stay not. on half point. Um, <laughs> can't even bother to argue. <laughs> ridiculous game. Stupid. Well, there's one that's like, do you even care? 
Does anyone care about double overhead cams on a car? But Ford used to write it on the back all the time. Back in the old days. Is that meaningless? That who, who cares? Oh, now you're getting into semantics of I don't even mind what. <laughs> I don't know. Is that your answer? Yeah. Nah. I've run out of everything else. So I don't know. <laughs> We're certainly really not dry. in the top nine, so I'll give you no. Okay, oh. uh, let's rattle through this Incorrect. because we are floundering like well, a puppy in a swimming pool Well, you also can't win because Rowan's got here. two and you're on point five, so uh, you can't on, let even me have tie a this up. Voxel Adam. Adam, it's not an Adam, is it? An Adam's a person. It's a car. <laughs> an Adam is a person? <laughs> Do you know where that actually came from? The Bible. I no, did one point. No, it no it's actually because the... F- so this is sort of similar to your last answer with like LaFerrari and stuff. So the Vauxhall Adam was sold everywhere else as an Opal and the founder of Opal was Adam Opal. So it was sort of like yeah, the, Enzo, still not the him. Ferrari He's Enzo. He's not the car, is it? It's a car. It's a car with a certain size engine. Yeah, well, I think if they sold a reanimated man, they'd have bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> Our rival to the Volkswagen <laughs> a up is a bloke. <laughs> well, what yeah. about the Renault Zoe? Founder. Maybe if they did transform. Anyway, I don't like this. This is a stupid quiz. Can you give us the answers of what we should have got then? Okay, well, Jack was right, incorrect. So you, so you actually got. win this. You've, I can't believe All right, you won so, that. So, you know, the new Defender, the current Defender, right? They sell it as a 90 and a 110. Yeah. Now, the 90's the shorty one and the 110's and the... And a 130. And a 130 now, of course. But that used to be the wheelbase lengths, I think I'm right in saying, because it had a 90-inch mm-hmm. wheelbase on the old one, right? It's not anymore. Like the the wheelbase on a new Defender is 119 inches on a 110. This is so why is it not the 119? Geeky topic, isn't it? You this asked is, for this is your you asked for geeky quizzes. I'm not going to do <laughs> flipping top nine car colours every month. Oh. Anyway, well, I, I hope won. You enjoyed that. Yeah, that was. <laughs> but actually, what listeners? Shout down uh, Ollie Q on social media and other places yeah, with, with your wrong. answers. Well, actually, if we're going to do a, a a question for the listeners to answer this month, should it not be? Relating back to our cover story, those mm. amazing Japanese concepts. Yeah, which was your favourite? Yeah, if you could open up the Spotify poll, uh, you will see um, some options for you. Because we want to know, out of all the iconic Japanese uh, car brand badges that have yeah, been done. brands badges. Which, which do you actually want to, to come back to life more than ever? So you've got a GTR, an LFA, an MR2, and an RX-7. Which yeah. one do you want to see come back and to reality? And there's more. We'll add some more. We'll add some more as well. Well, you throw some more in. All yeah. right, Jack, you yeah. do that then. Yeah. More work for yourself. Bring yeah. back the Supra. Oh, they already have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, don't bring it back. Put it back. Oh, make it better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's his current issue. There's so much more to see and listen to if you're in the feed. Please go through because we've got some bonus episodes. There's stuff coming up from your Lucid trip, that's for sure. But there was yeah. also a walk around of the Dakar bivouac from me. Jack, you spoke to Jim Farley. I did. My mate Jim, Jimmy Carcar. Ford CEO. Jimmy Carcar. Yeah, you actually got on really well, didn't you? He had a real love in at the end. He's a lovely man. He's a lovely man. There's a, there was a bit when the when the mics turned off and he genuinely, because um, I actually listened to him do, he's a, a few interviews in my research. I was listening to every podcast I could find with him on it. And he does this lovely thing at the end where he, he really thinks about who's interviewed him and says something nice about them. And he said some absolutely fantastic things about Top Gear, what we do and how we sort of approach the industry and why he loves it. You're the was... reason my son's a car enthusiast, I thought was a nice one, because I was yeah. like, hang on, you're, well, your dad's the boss of Ford, but Top Gear's <laughs> the reason you're into cars. something to do with it. But anyway, Good yeah, for us. lovely man, and seems to be steering an absolute Goliath of a company with um, with ease. It was quite inspirational, and that's what a CEO should be. I yep. thought, yeah, all right, There's uh, he's, he's kind of got his stuff together and... Yeah, performance and brands. he loves racing, and he's they're doing an absolute ton of motorsport Ford. <laughs> This year, they're literally just doing everything. Um, they're going back to Dakar, so yeah, it's, well, yeah. they're going to Dakar. So yeah, yeah I can't, again, I can't escape it. Anyway, thanks everybody for uh, for getting through this. <laughs> I'm sorry about that quiz, but we'll uh, we'll do better next time. But yeah, we'll see you on the next one. All right, cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. Subscribe.